Moncrief on News Talk. In the meantime, Colin Field has often been referred to as the best bartender in the world. For the last 30 years, he's been running the famous bar Hemingway at the Ritz Hotel in Paris, making cocktails for the extremely rich and the extremely famous, while regarding his job as more like art. Colin has just retired from that role and joins us now. Afternoon, Colin. Good afternoon. How are you? In your many years doing this, Colin, have you ever totted up how many different sorts of cocktails there are? That how many cocktails there are, it's, it's like asking, actually it's quite funny actually, I want to say it's like asking how many melodies there are on a piano, but there are more, there are more products, there are more whiskies, cognacs, calvados, uh, tequilas and everything else, liqueurs, than there are keys on a piano, so it's absolutely impossible to say how many cocktails there are. Is there, a, a, though, if you like, a basic shape? That you, that you work from? Absolutely. There is a sort of a recipe. The best cocktails that, that have lasted forever, or at least the test of time, are cocktails that are made with a minimum, uh, sorry, a maximum of three ingredients. If you think about the Negroni, it has Campari, Vermus, Gin. If you think about the Margarita, it has tequila, lime juice, Cointreau. If you think about, um, let me think, a sidecar cocktail, that's cognac, lemon juice, Cointreau. All these cocktails have been invented over 100, well, not the Negroni, but uh, most of these cocktails have been uh, invented over 100 years ago. The Negroni would appear it's more like the 1960s and not the 1920s and 30s. But um, they're all three ingredients. And then we can go even the two ingredients, like the black Russian, like the dry martini, except even to the dry martini today is usually really one ingredient, but all the bartenders are relatively um, um, uh, worried about saying that. But there you are. Uh, though I have read a quote from you saying that you think whiskey and Coke is a peasant drink. So, uh, oh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's really funny, actually, because... People, when you go into a cocktail bar, um, you, you rarely go into a cocktail bar because you're thirsty. Uh, you go into a cocktail bar because you have a meeting, because you're, um, you're, you're meeting either as it could be a business meeting, a romantic meeting, um, uh, an encounter with friends. Um, but often you're going to order a cocktail. Let's just, I'm talking about a high class bar. Um, you're you're going to order a cocktail that you think you should order to give yourself a certain projection. So let's just say that you really fancy this peasant's drink, which is a whiskey and coke, and, and you, you go into a top-class hotel bar, whether it's the Connaught with Ago Peroni, who's fantastic, or whether it's the Dukes with Sandro in London, or whether it's the Hemingway Bar of the Ritz in Paris. And all of a sudden, you really want this whiskey and coke. And, and the bartender comes over and says, good evening, sir. What can I serve you? And you go, uh, Manhattan, please. <laughs> and why are you ordering that Manhattan? Because it's, it's a lovely cocktail. It goes back to 1874, named in, in, in honor of Jenny Churchill. Jenny Churchill was not there in Manhattan when it was created at Samuel Tilson's election, but that's another story. But you're going to order something very chic with uh, vermouth and rye whiskey and a uh, drop of Angostura bitters because you want this bartender that you've never met in your life and you possibly will never see again. You want him to realize that you are someone that is used to going into bars like that.
Yes. So you're not going to order your whiskey and coke uh, because you know yourself that it's a peasant's drink. Perhaps you're not going to use the same vocabulary as I am, but but you you know yourself that you just don't do that in a top bar. Yeah. Should is there then a maximum limit as to how many ingredients a cocktail should have? So this is a problem. Um, thank you for asking me that question. It's in France. We have hotel school, and it's very important, and I think the whole world should have hotel school. Um, uh, it's, it's important that bartenders have a real training and obtain, hopefully, a real license. I created a degree for bartenders with the Sorbonne University called, in France, Meilleur Ouvrier de France, which is where the chefs wear the red, white, and blue around their collar. It gives bartenders that achieve that level a um, a degree level. Now, why do I want that to, to happen? Why do I want responsibility um, for bartenders? Because you will go to your doctor and he will prescribe certain things. That doctor has been between six and eight years, maybe more, of medical school before he's taking care of you. And you're putting to a point to a point, your life in his hands. Now, it's the same thing. You go to a bar anywhere, and it's possibly students that are serving you. Do they know what they're prescribing you? Do they understand the ingredients? Do they know what's going to happen when you put one to two to three together and how it affect, it's going to affect you? And yet, strangely enough, the, the Anglo-Saxon public, that means the Americans, the Irish, the English, the Scottish, the New Zealand, Australians, tend to have an enormous trust in someone that's between 18 and 21 behind the bar that is going to mix this with that, with this with that, and you're going to drink it without a second thought. Mm. And that's not something that should not happen. You, you, uh, if, if you're going to drink it with a second thought, it, it should be made by somebody that has a real training. In France, it's two to four years hotel school training. And then, um, then you start cutting oranges and lemons behind the bar. Now, I've, I've seen bartenders, um, this happened to me uh, a few years ago, a bartender that had not done hotel school with a lady, a lovely lady of about 67, 68 years old, who was weighing in at perhaps eight stone, something like that, perhaps seven stone. Um, she was very light, and she said, I'd like a strong cocktail. And I see this bartender mixing mezcal at 40 degrees. This is very strong with chartreuse at 54 degrees. That's 108 proof. With, I can't remember what he mixed after that. Um, and the lady basically fell off her stool. Yeah. Um, and you see, this is where, uh, this is unpardonable. This is unpardonable. And I uh, had to uh, um, release myself from this bartender. But, but it's, it's, I can't accept that sort of uh, attitude. What you call strong and what I call strong are very, very relative. But when you're looking at the person in front of you, you have to make a cocktail that person. Yes. Now, I know, I know I'm probably going on, but I'm going to tell you a small story. Um, a few years ago, I was in one of the um, Paris um, apparently top bars in the world. And uh, the bartenders and the owner, they're all using 
these pourers, these measurers, which if you're hotel school, you don't need because you've been trained to serve a sixth of a gill, an eighth of a gill, an ounce, 2.98 uh, centiliters. You know all your, your measure, measures. But I said, why do you use these pourers? And he said, well, Colin, if it's Samantha or Patricia or David or Alan that are making the cocktail from Monday to Sunday, I want that cocktail to be always exactly the same. He said, that is, that's called organization. And I, I said, well, that for me is Marks and Spencer's. I'm in haute couture. I, when I make a cocktail, it's like making a dress for a lady or making a suit for a gentleman. I make it to fit them. I don't make a suit in general and hope that everyone will fit in it, mm-hmm. if you understand what I, I'm yes. saying. Yes. So when someone comes into you, Colin, can you kind of read them uh, and, and, you know, has experience yes. taught you to say this person will like this kind of cocktail? Yes, absolutely. First of all, um, uh the way you dress is who you are, at least that day or that moment. So you look at how that person is dressed. Um, if they're dressed very casual, they're probably going to go for more of a, a long drink, a refreshing drink. If they're in business attire, a business attire, excuse me, then in, in suits or a Chanel dress or, or whatever, then they're obviously out of, are just coming out of business and they possibly want uh a strong drink, unless they are with someone that's obviously from their same business, in which case they're not going to order a strong drink because they don't want to give the impression that they have strong drinks to the other person opposite them. So you have to work out if they're with a friend or if they're with a business uh, associate. Then after that, are they at ease in the bar? If they're at ease in the bar, then there's someone that goes to bars often, and in that case, they, they, their tastes are going to be very dry. If they're not at ease in the bar, if they're trying to play that they're at ease in the bar, of course, we're going to see that. I mean, I've, I've been doing this for 40, 43 years. So I'm going to see that, and they're going to... I see that they're trying to give a certain um, fact that they're at ease, and in which case, I'm going to work with them because my, my objective is that they have a happy time. Yes. Uh, and so I'm going to possibly suggest a slightly sweeter cocktail, what have you. Also, bearing in mind that age has everything to do with the, the cocktail, its ingredients. A margarita, which is with tequila, Cointreau, and lime juice, for someone that is 18, 19, and just starting out in the world of cocktails, is going to be a lot sweeter than for a gentleman from Texas that is 55 years old and has a business corporation, mm. which is obviously going to be a lot drier. But again, even for that same person, that Texas person, at 7 o'clock in the evening, the cocktail will not be the same as at 1 o'clock in the morning. Yes, indeed. So you have to adapt. You see, this is the marvel. Bartenders often, and I I am uh, at fault, often wanted to say that cuisine um, and bartending, cuisine and cocktail, are the same things. But there's... there are similarities, but at the same time, there's a big difference. For example, a, a chef de cuisine, he has a white plate. He's going to put 120 grams of green peas. He's going to put 200 grams of um, meat or more. 
he's going to put uh, 400 grams of Brussels sprouts. I don't know. But every dish is going to be exactly the same when it goes out. Why? Because he doesn't see for whom he's making that dish. He didn't take the order. He didn't speak to them. That mm. was the head waiter. Mm. I see. Whereas the bartender... Yeah. Yeah, the bartender gets the chance, the opportunity to speak to that person, to see who they are, to understand that person. And with that knowledge and experience, you can make a cocktail to fit the person. Indeed. And you've served, obviously, you've served cocktails in the Hemingway Bar to all sorts of uh, famous people. There is a story about when Bruce Willis was there and, and you, you gave him a cocktail that was, was it worth 1,300 euro? Yeah, it's it's um it's it's a lovely story. I I I I do seminars in Switzerland at the hotel school, uh, Cesaritz Hotel School in Montreux, and it's one of the um the, the chapters of the the seminar that I do there for the last twenty years. Is um first and foremost, you get bartenders that say that they're artists, and there are four or five artists in the whole world of bartenders. There are four or five artists. Um, but at the end of the day, the bottom dollar is that we're there to make money for the people that employ us. And it, it, it's, it's important. I mean, you can be an artist, you can talk, you can be brilliant at what you do, but you're there to make money for the bar. And so one day I was uh, training the uh, a head bartender of a very famous hotel in Switzerland. And uh, he was with us behind the bar. And Mr. Willis came, comes into the bar, He's a lovely man that we get on very, very well. We, we did a um, Sobieski vodka publicity together uh, in Paris. And uh, uh, Scout, is a, his daughter, was a regular in Paris. And, and we, we slowly, slowly got to know each other. Anyway, um, one day he comes into the bar and he says, Colin, I would love the Ritz sidecar. Why does he say that? Not because he particularly wants it, but he himself said once, Colin, the two best jobs in the world are bartender and actor. And he said he'd been both of them. And so every time he'd come into the bar, he'd really help me give, create an atmosphere. He would really work the bar for me. Uh, he did some marvelous things in the bar. And one night he comes in and says, Colin, should I have a sidecar cocktail for 1,300 euros? I said, yes, with pleasure. He said, Perhaps you would like one too. And I said, yes, absolutely. And so then I'm making two sidecar cocktails. That's now 2,600 euros that is going to come down. And he said, perhaps the gentleman next to you would like a rich sidecar as well. And the gentleman, lovely head bartender from a very, very famous Swiss, Swiss hotel. Um, and he, he comes over and says, very elegantly, sir, I do not drink on duty. And I sort of grabbed him, pulled him into the office, and I said, at 1,300 euros the cocktail, you drink on duty. <laughs> and because there you see, he'd, he'd forgotten possibly the most important reason why he's there is to make money for the company. Yes. And I so there is... There is ethics, there is professionalism, there is all that. But the bottom line, make money for the company. When you're out and on, you know, in your spare time, Colin, if you go into a, a cocktail bar, do you have a, a tipple of choice? Um, so I, I go to cocktail bars from time to time just to look, see what's happening. Now, 
Unfortunately, a lot of bartenders these days are putting in, as you mentioned before, five, six, seven ingredients into a cocktail. So one, that cocktail is going to take quite a while to, to make. Also, they're using these lovely little pourers. So they pour the the liquid into the pourer, which goes all over their fingers and their hands anyway. And then it goes, goes from there into the shaker. So obviously the cocktail is going to take a lot longer. And then they end up taking a spoonful of this cocktail and putting, putting it on the back of their hands and licking their hands to see if your, your cocktail is good or not, which is absolutely uh, disgusting. Um, it's like... It's like um, uh, if you go to a lovely restaurant and the head waiter is serving you a soup and he takes a taste of your soup before he serves it to you. It's not very agreeable. But anyway, so sometimes I go to see what's happening in these other bars and I see it takes like 10 minutes to get a cocktail, which is strange how history in its way repeats itself. 20 years ago, you would order a cocktail and the chap would start throwing bottles up in the air behind his back, in front of him, catching them on his, on his shoulder, on his elbow, on the back of his hand. And you'd have to put up with this little show of uh, juggling uh, until you get your cocktail. Now you have to, it's the same sort of thing, but they're not juggling anymore. They're taking, they're putting this in, that in, ingredient three, ingredient four, ingredient five. And at the end of the day, Yes, sometimes the cocktail is nice, but can you tell exactly what's in it? And that's worrying. It's, if, you, if, you take a, if you take a Japanese chef, a French chef, an Italian chef, and you give them a, 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 a breast of chicken to work with, they will make three absolutely delicious dishes, completely different. And the first thing you will say when you taste it is that it's chicken. And yet the problem with cocktails a lot of them today, with the exception of a few people, is that as soon as you taste it, you cannot tell what is inside it. Mm. And how would you feel if you're eating a meat dish and you can't tell which, which meat you're eating? Well, I feel the same thing if I'm drinking a cocktail and I can't tell whether it's pisco or mezcal or tequila or gin or cognac or calvados. It's, it's, it means for me that the, the bartender has missed the point. Yes, indeed. Colin, we do have to leave it there. Thank you so much for uh, speaking with us today. Colin Field, thank you very much. My pleasure. Goodbye. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.